Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Wise Men Say, Sun FM Preview Show. With Stephen Goldsmith and Gareth Barker. All things Sunderland. Welcome along to the preview show, Wise Men Say, with Sun FM. We're going to talk about the Sheffield United game and reflect on the transfer window because that's now officially slammed shut. Hopefully that won't be a thing next year and it's all going to get done before the season starts. I can't tell you how happy I am about that, by the way. Uh, Myself and Gareth Barker are joined this evening by former Sunderland Echo correspondent. Sunderland correspondent, is that right? Chief sports writer. Chief sports writer. He was more than a correspondent, of course he was. That's Graham Anderson and doing freelance stuff these days, Graham. Mm Mm-hmm. Living the life of Riley, though, aren't you? Just you know, going about. No, no. I, I've, I've had a chance to work for the national newspapers since I left the Echo. Um, so my last three jobs were the Daily Express, the Daily Star, and the Northern Echo. Uh, but I do, I do, I do all sorts of things these days: PR, media. It's, a, it's an interesting world. It certainly is. Michael Loft joins us as well, who does some stuff with us for the Wise Men's here, and also for the guys over at Walker Report. So we've had a, an international break, and I want, I want to get people's sort of reflection of, of where we are this season. We're going to talk about transfers specifically, but the start of the season started OK, Graham, and then a couple of defeats has kind of knocked the stuffing out of out of us a little bit. Well, it started OK, but that's the best you can say about it. I mean, I, what what struck me was it was a draw and a win and a draw, and there was dancing in the streets and parades <laughs> and everything. That and just like, shows yeah, what we've been through with that. Exactly, exactly. It's so long since they've, they've put anything even half reasonable together. Um but I always felt after those first three games that it's what comes next which would define it. Um, and that, that's the way it tends to work in the championship all the way through. So many games, you never quite know where you are until sort of like the next three games and the next three games after that. So there's a busy period coming up um, now, and that should help define the next stage of Sunderland's season. But um, I'm concerned. I'm a little bit concerned, I've got to be honest, um, because everyone felt initially, well, this is great. And living Rose in the Garden, it only takes a few defeats. Sunderland are nineteenth in the division now, and already a few points behind uh, the pace setters. And I know it's early doors in the season, but what worries me slightly is there's some decent things about, about this Sunderland side, and some encouraging signs, but there's also some real worries. Mm, I mean, when we're not going to have a season like when Roy Keane was manager, but we didn't we lose our first, first four games? Five, five. So. Yeah, it's early. The championship, a couple, you put string a couple of wins together, and yeah. The difference know, there is, is, is it where, apart from the lift he gave to the club, um, he he made six quality oh, signs, six, six almost Premier League signs, and that's what transformed things. Um, whereas someone in a different position now, mm-hmm. absolutely are. And I, th- I think Sunderland fans, I don't want to say accepted, but they took that Leeds defeat on the chin generally didn't they I think a lot of Sunderland fans walked away from that game thinking we, you know what we've just been done by a more streetwise team things will get better it was the Barnsley one wasn't it that was yeah, the real, the Sunderland the fans real are realistic team. they're not, not going to win every game of the season uh, so haven't had those first three results they tolerated the fourth one but the fifth one had a feeling of almost like a bit of a trend and that was a worry but I don't want to sort of neg everybody out from the start I'm, I'm aware it's, it's been miserable I'm just, I'm just conscious of the fact that um, 
I don't want people to get too carried away for those first three games because it was only three games and you're talking about one win. I think I don't think people were getting too carried away. I think it was just a case of people uh, maybe enjoying not getting completely outclassed every week, which has been something that's been apparent for far too long in the Premier League. Um, for whatever reason, <laughs> people want to present why that happened. There was a variety of different reasons, and now in this division, we've got a chance in games, even though you know we lost the Barnsley game badly. Um, we still started quite well in the game you know you create and take a chance you know it's probably a different thing altogether didn't really talk about the terrible decision in that game either actually which was how that Barnsley fella didn't get sent off for that foul on Vaughan when he was going through on goal well yeah but maybe that's why so was James Vaughan decided it wasn't a clear goal scoring opportunity but I don't I think people just accepted that you know that ultimately it wasn't good enough and with the Barnsley with the Barnsley game, I think I was there. I covered that game, and I think that the reason why stronger action wasn't taken was the view was taken by the officials that Vaughan wasn't in fully in control of the ball, um, and then the replays showed that actually he was in control. Mm. So they, they made the made the wrong decision. Simon Grayson said afterwards, "Yeah, he'd seen the replays, they'd made the wrong decision." But what that wasn't really the issue. What was the issue was how badly Sunderland fell apart in the second half, and how they, they failed to feature, and that's something they have to change. Seen a few of those over the years, Graham, haven't we? Oh, yeah. Even in this division, when when you just think Sunderland is starting to put a run together, I mean, there's too many. I mean, I think I mentioned Paul Vale on the on the show after the game uh, under Peter Reid, where we we got absolutely annihilated, and it's happened a few times, that hasn't it? It has, but it has to be marked by a kind of a fight back, and that, and this is where the new signings come in because these. It was very encouraging the three signings he's made on deadline day. I am encouraged by that, um, but they really kind of need to hit the ground running. I don't think there's much chance for them to acclimatise. The same will apply for Duncan Watmore when he comes back. Yeah, when Duncan Watmore comes back, there's going to be a lot of pressure on his shoulders, and it's a bit unfair, really, uh, on him. But that's the situation where Sunderland are at now. Um, the, the players need to hit the ground running. And one of the good things, I guess, is that Simon Grayson's had a few days to work with them. Um, so hopefully the, the, the new lads settle in seamlessly. And I'm hoping that Grayson knows exactly what's been lacking before the transfer window and the new signings address those concerns. Everybody happy with the the business? I think in a way our transfer window is kind of a microcosm of where we are as a club. It's not ideal for some encouraging signs but we're still deficient in certain areas. So I think it, um, starting from a batting goal, I think we maybe are still a bit short because although Wright had a very encouraging pre-season and a very encouraging game with Carlisle, he was quite poor at Barnsley and you could argue he was at fault for the first goal. So I can't imagine his confidence will be sky high. And obviously we've all seen Jason Steele, although he hasn't been quite as bad as the Celtic debacle. He's got a a mistake in him, which is quite concerning. At the back, I think we're relatively well stocked, with the exception of the two full-backs, the two full-back positions rather. Um, of a year, though, it remains to be seen whether he can like kind of like make the step down and prove his like um, Premier League quality, which he allegedly has. Make the step down. That's some Sunderland, doesn't it? Yeah, make the step down. But 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 we've seen it though because we all I thought before the season that Billy Jones would be able to start the championship and adapt the way because I thought that Billy Jones is just basically average across all areas. I don't think he's like absolutely rank bad um, in any areas. But I know this is very sound very negative, but it's kind of where we are. But midfield, I think we're I think we're pretty well pretty well stuck there. McManaman's been a good signing. Johnny Williams has been a good signing. But up front, I think, is the area where we're lacking the most. I've said all summer that if we went into the season um, and the end of the transfer window with James Vaughan being your first um, one of your first-choice strikers, I'd be really concerned. And I think I am concerned because 
I look around the team and I can't see where um, his lack of goals are going to be made up from midfield. Um, but I just think with um, where we are as a whole, people are saying that after a Barnsley game, we're kind of feeling a bit negative after the Norwich result and the Sheffield Wednesday result. Even as recently as I think when we beat Carlisle in the League Cup, everyone was really positive. And now it seems to be at a bit of a low again. I think we're just constantly at the crossroads at the minute between being like uber positive and uber negative. And I know the stability and perspective are two words which don't exactly get your pulses racing, but I think it is kind of needed this season because it's quite clear from what's been going on behind the scenes that this season is a transition year. As long as we can do okay and be stable in the Championship, and I think that's been reflected with the choice of manager, I don't think that's a bad thing, but I think with the situation he's inherited and the way he's dealt with it, I think he's a good choice to kind of give the club, as I say, that bit of stability and just kind of finish with table, keep us ticking over. And then next season, when we've kind of sorted the finance out to a certain extent, we might even get sold next season. Then we can kind of have a summer and a pre-season to have a tilt the promotion. And I just think maybe some supporters need to have just a little bit more perspective, not to get carried away too much if we get some good results and don't get too downbeat if we get some bad results. So um, answer the question that, Michael, I'll, I'll, I'll give you that. Uh, ask how the transfer business was. That was Paolo de, Paolo de, Paolo de Canio answer I, I, that I, one, I never referred it? myself in the third person. <laughs> he's, covered, he's covered it all, I mean. <laughs> yeah. That's the end of the show. Michael Loff's uh, mid-season report on Sunderland there. <laughs> well, I would say yeah. I, hate hear, I hate to hear the phrase transition season uh, because if I, t- if, I, t- if, I, if I stop being a journalist and start being a fan, no one wants to hear that. That's basically almost like saying, like, you know, well, wrap it in for this season as you're going nowhere and I think that any club if it takes that approach of I mean the, the board can take that approach I guess the, 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 the financial people can take that approach that's how they might my view but I think you should never write off a season um, I, I think because sort of if I was a supporter and I heard the club I know we're club people but if we were if the club was on a transition season it's like well, what's the point of going to a game if, if all we're going to do is, is just try and stay up and, and plan for next season I think they've got to try and be positive I think they've got to try and look to, to go up and one encourage the one encouraging thing about the championship is it's not the Premier League in the sense of the quality of the strikers. Uh, the Barnsley game, if you watch that Barnsley game, for example, it'll be true of a lot of games this season. When Barnsley were on top, they could have scored two or three, and they were as bad as Sunderland at scoring, uh, taking chances as well. So even if Sunderland conceding games, it shouldn't. In the Premier League, it felt as though it was the end of the world last season. That was a game over time to go home, see how many the opposition will score. If Sunderland concede this season, they've got to have that mental strength, um, and I'm hoping the new signings will add to it where they'll say, right, well, we're going down, but we're going to try and, and get back into it because the two things they, get, they need is leadership and character to get out of the division. OK, shall we hear if Simon Grayson is impressed with the with his transfer business? I'll put it into numbers, but I'm pleased with what we did. I think when you look at the level of quality that we brought in, um, three very talented players. Um, biggest thing was as well that they wanted to come, they wanted to show uh, people that the good players want to be back playing regularly and what a big stage for them to go and play again. Um, so they've all got their own individual um, reasons for wanting to come. But from my point of view, when I'm speaking to them and, and speaking to other people about them, um, they've got this, the, the sense that they've got this urgency to come. And I'm glad the players are doing the research into the club. But the last thing you want a, a player to do is to come here and then feel it's not the right fit and then, and then it doesn't work out. We want players that are going to come here, sort of show people what they're capable of doing. We've signed two two international players and one who cost five million two two years ago. And yeah, for different reasons, two of them are not been playing regularly. But 
Matt Wilson, for example, was in a round with West Brom squad all last year in the, in the Premiership. Is desperate to play regular first team football to ultimately try and get the ambition of getting back into the Republic of Ireland squad. So, uh, Johnny Williams, younger, but wants to sort of have a real good, strong season to again get back, um, stay into the Welsh squad. Callum McManaman, obviously, people were. Um, uh, disappointed with how it's probably worked out for him but hopefully we can benefit from these three players having the hunger desire and uh, urgency to do well here and then that was a big thing that we st- stressed from day one they're the type of players I want here I think we need to acknowledge that Gareth don't we because we moaned about that for three years and when do clubs go and do the research on players certainly Sunderland's well when the players sorry do the research yeah well, bought a bit well. of both though isn't well, it well when we talked about the, we always use a Craig Gardner example don't we is the one where he signed for Sunderland for Steve Bruce and surely Steve Bruce had a conversation with him and said I want to play 4-4-2 when he'd been playing essentially as a 10 for Birmingham and then he comes to Sunderland and it's a complete mismatch and he's playing in, in a centre midfield too and he can't do the job because he didn't have the legs to do it to, to cover the ground so just because he's a midfielder who scores goals doesn't mean he's going to fit well so it's good to hear that he said the players have done the research on the club because that's something we often criticise modern players for just either chasing the money or going somewhere where they think... Especially like on deadline you know, it's, pre- it's Premier League, so I'll go there yeah. because it's the Premier League. And well, on deadline day, the agency as well, you know, it's this or nothing. And yeah. they're, oh, OK, then, you know, you, you would imagine a lot of that. Mm. We'd be victims of that, wouldn't you? Definitely. <laughs> it certainly looks that way. I don't even think deadline day, just it, it's there or nothing. <laughs> well, I'll do. Go and sit on the reserves. Go and sit in the reserves for 18 months and my contract runs down, then leave on a free. Did okay. you ever talk to a new sign of Graham who you thought was disinterested? Who you thought was dead behind the eyes? Uh, at, the, at, the, at the thought of joining Sunderland or playing for Sunderland? Uh, uh, yeah, I've, I've, <laughs> I've seen a few who weren't exactly over-enthusiastic over the years and I've seen I've seen a few who, within a few weeks, you could tell they weren't that interested. You know, I'll, 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 I'll try to avoid naming go names. Go on, one, give us one. Well, Anthony, I'll give you Anthony Natalic, <laughs> for example. I was going to say, I'll give you Anthony Natalic, for example. And if you want another one, I'll give you Yanazai from, la- from last season as well. Players who just didn't, didn't seem bothered, didn't seem to make a connection between themselves and the club. Saw that as a dip, different a different thing almost, sort of like purely interested in their own career. Um, I mean, both those were loan signs, so there's an entitlement to a certain extent um, f- for them. But yeah, I, um, and, I, and it depends what your interpretation is on this current situation. I saw um, Nick Barnes and, and uh, I was talking to Nick, oh, Nick Barnes and Jeff Brown, but I was talking to those two, <laughs> two, two today. Yeah. And, uh, That's not name dropping Nick. No. <laughs> doesn't count, does it? <laughs> uh, but but well, I, I mentioned them because they had both interviewed the three new signings and they were impressed. And they were just talking to me, so it wasn't a case of the saying for public consumption. But they were impressed by how much they seemed to be bought into the club sort of stuff. And I think that's the, the, the key thing. When, when people say things like, oh, they've done the research on the club, I'm a bit sceptical about that. Uh, it, if they've done the research on the team, that's different. What what, what was being said about Craig mm. Gardner? If the if they looked at the team and said, "Yeah, I can fit him," that that's great. That's what we're after. But if they just sort of had done the research on the club and thought, "Oh, Sunderland's big, they're better than where I'm at," I'll, do, I'll, I'll settle for that. That's different. Um, but this, to me, is where we find out how good a manager Simon Grayson is, because the team should be better than some of the parts. And when I looked at some of the Reedy teams I used to cover a lot, that's what you got with a good Reedy team. It was better than the individual players. So we're going to find out soon whether there's an intelligent design with Grayson here, where he's looked at it and thought, right, I want him because he'll improve that bit, and so on and so forth. Or 
I'll have him because he's a Premier League player I can get. Mm. I like the, the, the idea Williams is, is really pleased to be here. And, and, and Chris Coleman said, didn't he, in the, in the press conference before the Wales game, he's got a smile on his face. And it's, it's, it's evident and, and noticeable that his attitude's changed. And, and that's nice to hear because loan signings, as you said, you've, you've just touched on it there. And you said loan signings, they can't be excused, but you can almost understand sometimes when they think, well, I'm not here long term, you know, I'm doing these a favour, I'm not going to be overjoyed about it. But people like Danny Rose in the yeah, past, who, who, yeah, who, who've needed to make an impact because he was getting nowhere near the Tottenham team. Barini. Yeah. And he come, well, well <laughs> Barini, yeah. You, you would say that with his loan deal, wouldn't you? I, I would distinguish between Barini. But his loan deal, yeah, he, he was he, excellent. He is, he is, but yeah. no, and he was excellent, but I distinguish between him and say, for example, uh, you mentioned Danny Rose and Danny Welbeck and Johnny Evans was another classic example of people who didn't just come thinking, I can do this for me. Um, but people, which I mean, it might be the case with Barini, I think, what can I do for me? Mm. And he did very well for some of them in that loan deal, exceptionally well. But I think those sort of players, those characters, your Rose, your Welbecks and your Evans, they bought into the team as well. It was like there were, there were as much team players in, that, in those seasons, those promotion seasons and whatever, as the rest of them. So it's a question of how much these players really buy into it, but also a question of how well Grayson uses them. And we got him twice, Evans, didn't we? Because we signed him on loan yeah, in January brilliant. in the Premier League. And she gave him was the same, going all the way back. Yeah. Absolutely quality players. You would love to kept a hold of. records, didn't he? The mm. uh, clean sheet, consecutive clean sheet records. Can't mm. remember, but nine games. Yeah, I think but some of them like his dirty secret, aren't they? He never mentions them, does he? Yeah, but those, those, like are, those are players of quality who can lift a team. And what I'm hoping is that uh, one, one thing we've got with the uh, three deadline day signings is they are quality players. Whether they show their quality in this team is, is what we want to see. Because one of the disappointments of the season so far for me is I was thinking. And the likes of Ndong and Catamol um, and maybe Corny will be so head and shoulders above people because they'll be Premier League players, in my view, playing at this level. Uh, but so far, they haven't been. Whether Ndong actually is a Premier League player, we yeah, have so I many think things Ndong's going for him. Really good. Yeah. It's my opinion. I think he's brought up play really well. Um, he covers a lot of ground. Um, people criticise the use of the ball, but I think his passing's pretty. Yeah, but I, I maybe should, cl- should clarify that. I'm not saying he's played badly, haven't. But you know, sometimes you, like when Johnny Evans was came on loan in that championship season, wow, he was just stood out head and shoulders. Yeah, Rose defender, you know? wasn't he? Yeah. I'm hoping that's. I'm hoping that. that he's, a de- next, he's a different level. Though, yeah, but I'm Evans, hoping though the Corny and Catamol and Don can get that level next mm. few months. Hopefully, well, well, we are going to speak now to James Shield from the Sheffield Star. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Wise Men Say, Sun FM Preview Show, with Stephen Goldsmith and Gareth Barker, all things Sunderland. Okay, I'm delighted to see we're joined by James Shield now from the Sheffield, Sheffield Star, and he covers Sheffield United this season. Good to have you on, James. No, my pleasure. 
Okay, you've uh, met James before, Graham. I have. We've uh, we've shared many a phone call in transfer deadline windows and transfer just to find out who's going who and where's going where. And, uh, what exciting transfers have gone between Sheffield United and Sunderland? Well, we're Paul Thurwell. Well, we're probably talking about transfers that <laughs> never happened. Th- things you'll never find out about. But James James is very good. He's got his his finger on the pulse in Sheffield. Mm. Yeah, yeah, you don't you don't sound like a Sheffield lad, James. I'll be honest. <laughs> I'm I'm not a Sheffield lad, no. But I I think I've been up here long enough now to uh, well, obviously not to pick the accent up, but I I know my way around. I'm uh, I'm part of the part of the fixtures and fittings by now. <laughs> well, very different places at the moment. Uh, Sunderland and Sheffield United, and that Sunderland were obviously relegated had a dismal season. On the other hand, Sheffield United have been promoted ho- ho- post hundred point season as well last year. Yeah, it was uh, it was a phenomenal campaign to be honest, and it was. <laughs> I mean, listen, for all the euphoria and for all the fact that, you know, they, they were far too good for the division last season, when you, uh, when you look back at it, you, you've got to say that they were in League One for, for far, far too long. Uh, I mean, Sunderland fans probably won't want to be hearing that, but just goes to show when you do drop down uh, out of division, you know, it's not always a case of, uh, of just simply bouncing back up again. Uh, but I think... It's quite interesting. I mean, we were talking today, actually, in the office about the parallels between the two managers, Chris Wilder and Simon Grayson. And the way Chris was speaking at his, uh, at his pre-match press conference, you know, there's obviously, obviously a, an awful lot of respect between the two. Uh, and I think the way Chris did it and made such a difference in his first season in charge is probably, uh, you know, in a similar manner to the way Simon's looking to go about his work at the, the Stadium of Light now. And that's just... You know, forget the uh, the big money signings, as it were. Forget the uh, the glamour. Forget the glitz, and just focus on players who are absolutely fit for purpose, have got the right attitude, and can do a job for the division they're in. So, was that um, Wilder's first season, last season? Or... It was, yes, yeah, it was. He took over from uh, from Nigel Atkins in the in the summer, and the turnaround was was quite remarkable. When you think, you know, that the season before that they finished eleventh in the table. They just meandered through a season. It was a season of absolute nothing, and th- and that wasn't good enough for the uh, for a football club like Sheffield United in League One. So Nigel Adkins went. Chris Wilder came in. Sheffield United uh, fan as a boy, former Sheffield United player. He knows the club inside out, and uh, he quite clearly knows what the or knew what the what the club needed on the pitch as well. Yeah, it was remarkable. Sheffield United were down that long, really five years or so, but. It, it, it... It must have built up anticipation ready for the for the steel derby this year. Yes, there is. I mean, it's been a, been a long time coming. It's been five years now since the uh, since the clubs last played each other. So that's looming large on the on the horizon now. But I've got to say, there's an awful lot of excitement about this game as well coming up. I think you know it's one of the games that Sheffield United fans will have, will have looked at when they uh, when they came up, and obviously. Sunderland came down. I mean, it's a it's a, it's a great stadium. Uh, you know, they've sold out their allocation for the game, so that tells you all you need to know about the excitement in in Sheffield down here about the about the fixture. And I think certainly from the from the you know the way that the players were talking today, that's transmitted itself to the squad as well. I mean, Chris Basham, for obvious reasons, is a is a former Sunderland season to get older. I've done a piece with him for the. For the paper tomorrow, he's obviously, uh, you know, beside himself with with excitement. Uh, looking forward to this game. It's been a long time since he played played at the Stadium of Light as well. So that's going to be a real family affair for him. But there's, yeah, there's lots of nice little subplots to this game. 
Yeah, I, I think it's a fascinating game as well, James. I think it's fascinating because I covered Sunderland when uh, they got they they went up under Pete Reid with 105 points, which was a, an English record at the time, and they went in the Premier League with that, and they carried that momentum on simply because they'd had so much success at a lower level. It didn't matter that they were playing at a high level; they were playing with that kind of enthusiasm and confidence. And in Sunderland, exactly the opposite. Uh, they come down, and their confidence is shattered. So it's it's really set up well. I think Sheffield will play well. I think they're full of the joys at the moment. And it's I was quite a, confident about this game until this conversation. No, I'll no, be honest. I'm not, I'm not. I'm not saying that Sunderland can't get the, get, the, get a win, a home advantage, and they've got these new signings. It's just that it's going to be a, it's going to be two clubs, two teams coming in in exactly the opposite direction. Now, whether it might be that Sheffield suddenly find that Sunderland's beyond them, or whether Sunderland. Um, find the confidence and, and get the victory, or whether Sunderland have to contend with the fact that Sheffield are on a high. It's going to be, it's going to be interesting to find out. It's, it's, it's yeah, a- I mean, I'll I tell you what, you've, you've absolutely hit the nail on the head there, Graham, because I, I think the only disappointment Sheffield United will have had last season is the fact that the new season, the championship, championship season, didn't start the week after they'd won the title. Uh, you know, and there was a little bit of a fear that maybe some of that momentum might stall. But they've they've really have taken it into this season. I mean, it's it's going to be a tough game. Sunderland are, are quite clearly, when you look through the team sheet, going to be quite capable of beating Sheffield United. And I think the way Sheffield United are playing at the moment, they're going to be quite capable of beating Sunderland as well. But you can see that confidence that they've come up with. I mean, they scored a scored a ridiculous amount of goals, uh, as you said, reached a hundred points. But the the one thing that they do, and the one thing that's really sort of dare I say, excited me about the way they've gone about their work this year is that there's no sort of sense of inferiority. Uh, mm. You know, they've, they've looked at the division, they've gone to some, you know, big clubs already and they've always looked to attack the game. They've, you know, there's been none of this, let's sit back, let's try and sort of, you know, feel our way into the contest. They've always looked to, to go out there and take charge and impose themselves on the fixture. Now, sometimes that's been a success, at other points, it hasn't. But I think just that mentality really does tee this uh, this fixture up nicely. It certainly does. <laughs> you, you feel well, it's going to be a frantic game now, well, don't you? It's, it's so important, though, because um, with Sunderland, that, fra- that confidence being fragile, and we have to wait and see what the, the difference last 10 days has made and, and whether the new signs have made a difference. In that Barnsley game, the last game, for example, they played quite well that first half hour. <clears throat> Excuse me. There was almost a kind of uh, hope that Barnsley wouldn't have too much of a go at them and they could get the confidence and get the, that momentum going. Uh, but as soon as they went to go behind, that confidence oozed out of them and they got hammered by the end of the game. And I just sort of think, uh, uh, from the Sunderland point of view, I hope it's a home win. First one in nine months, could you believe mm. if it actually happened? Yeah. But uh, but uh, I just sort of think that they could be vulnerable to a team that comes up full of confidence and has a go at them from the start because I think Sunderland are just kind of hoping that teams will give them a bit of a head start so they can they can show their best. You know what? We, we did the end of the late last season. We always said we were going into Premier League games with no confidence of beating the opposition. And Michael Proctor would sit here, former player, full of positivity. And by the end of the show, we'd say... We're going to beat Arsenal this weekend. We, you know, we're going to beat Man United this weekend. And Graham Anderson's have the opposite effect here. We're coming in thinking, oh, this is a, this is a game we can win. And then well, Graham's uh, like, no, no, they're, what, going, to, they're what, going to come up. They're going to spank us. What I would ask is, how often was Michael right last season? <laughs> well, I think the, the the league table tells you the answer to that, doesn't it? Um, you, you mentioned it's an interesting point. Now we mentioned um, we mentioned that Sheffield United have come up with momentum, high amount of points. But he's he's been quite busy in the transfer market as well, though, hasn't he? Yeah, he has. I mean, he, he gutted the squad out when uh, when he first came into the club. He kept a kept a core of players, and I think that's been important because those are the ones. You remember earlier when I said about he's very big on attitude, Chris, 
And, you know, there's something sort of quite quaintly old-fashioned about the way he manages. But, you know, these old-fashioned ideas are old-fashioned for a reason. It's because they've stood the test of time. And, you know, they, they actually work. They'll, they'll be around a lot longer than sort of playing between the lines and, you know, sort of all these uh, sort of newfangled tactical ideas. For Chris, it is very much about attitude. So he kept a core of players there that he inherited from, from Nigel Adkins. And that was actually one of his biggest, biggest successes. Somebody like Paul Coates, who, you know, to be honest, had looked anything but the player Sheffield United thought they'd signed in the, the first couple of seasons at the club suddenly transformed and, you know, he's become absolutely integral to what they do this season. But once again, it, it does make me smile, Chris, in a way, because he always talks about this thing about we want to revolve, we don't just want to sort of tear teams up. The players, who, you know, who took us up deserve an opportunity. But you're right, he has been very, very busy. And once again, over the summers, another 10 new players have, have arrived at the club. The one thing I will say is that when you actually just sort of sit back and and watch them around the training ground. You know, Graham, when we spend sort of hours waiting for... They're not the best timekeepers footballers, are they? So, you know, we, we spend an awful lot of time sitting around drinking cups of coffee and working very hard there, I say. But it's... Uh, you know, just when, when you sit back and observe them, the, I think where it's interesting is, despite the sheer sort of volume of signings that Chris Wilde has made, it doesn't look like a squad that's new, that's getting to know each other. Uh, and I know that's a, you know, sort of sounds quite cliche, but they, they are a very, very tight group. Uh, I mean, he's, a, he's someone who likes to sort of take a step back from the dressing room, really, and almost let the, let the players police it themselves. So mm. if he wants to do that, you know, quite clearly he does have to do an awful lot of, lot of research into the personality of the players that he brings in. But I think the other big thing for Sheffield United this season is certainly supporters in this neck of the woods would tell you this. It's not so much the players that have come in. None of them have been particularly fancy signings, but they're all good players who have got the capability to perform at championship level. But I think the one big thing here has been that you finally had a transfer window since they went down where they've been able to keep their best players as well. I mean, they've got a very, very exciting young talent called uh, David Brooks, who's Come through the uh, come through the academy down here in Sheffield. I, I've got to say the academy is probably the one thing that's consistently functioned at Bramall Lane over the uh, over the last few years. And there was an awful lot of talk about him possibly leaving in this window. There was a lot of interest in him from uh, from Premier League clubs, especially after he was named player of the tournament at the uh, for England at the uh, the Toulon tournament recently. But they were very very upfront about the fact that listen. This lad's not going. We want him to stay here. We want him to grow with us. And I think there was a, there was a huge sigh of relief when you know the, the transfer window closed and David Brooks was still at the club. And do you know what? I think for supporters, when you see something like that happening, that's almost as good as two new signings. Yeah, yeah. Talk us through the, the, the likely starting eleven then, James. Uh, I suspect uh, it's not going to be an awful lot different to the uh, to the team that beat Derby uh, just before the uh, just before the international break. Uh, I would imagine Clayton Donaldson, who was a deadline day signing from Birmingham, will will probably come in uh, come in up front. Uh, but other than that, I, I think you can just go through that starting eleven at, uh, that, that beat Derby County, and I think that'll pretty much be it. And you're expecting a frantic sort of approach to the game then. They're not going to feel a win of the game, as you say. They're going to come out all guns blazing. It will be, be perfect tactic against a side that haven't won at home in ages, to be honest. Yeah, I, I, I think they will, though. I mean, 
the one area where Sheffield United probably haven't performed, in, you know, results-wise this season, of course, in fact, is that all their points have come at home. They've lost both their away games in the in the championship. Uh, I think the first one down at, uh, at Cardiff City, they were, you know, quite. I say deservedly. They they weren't blown off the you know off the park or anything like that. But Cardiff were the better side. Certainly at Middlesbrough. Uh, I don't know if if either of you two saw the yeah. game, but mm-hmm. they I think they were desperate and lucky yeah, not yeah. to not to get something there. It was goal very controversially disallowed in the in the last minute. And interesting enough, although the, although they lost that game, when you look at the amount of money that Middlesbrough have obviously spent in the transfer market this summer. That really did convince the, the coaching staff, but also probably more importantly the players, that you know we can go away from home, be on the front foot, and get something from the game. Uh, so I, I certainly don't see that changing any time soon. How do you think they'll get on? What do you think the results likely to be? I uh, do you know what? I, and I'm not picking splinters out of my uh, out of my backside. <laughs> I I wouldn't be at all surprised to see a one-all draw. Wise Men Say, Sun FM Preview Show, with Stephen Goldsmith and Gareth Barker, all things Sunderland. The fact that we've built this game now to be like end-to-end frantic stuff, it's probably going to be a dull nil-nil, isn't it? Uh, you can guarantee that. Um, do we want to listen to Simon Grayson now? Um, because we brushed up on it there. <clears throat> Nine months did you say, Graham, since we won at home last? Mm-hmm. It's an issue, isn't it? Um, <laughs> so Simon so, Graysive Over the last 20 years It's been pretty much Bog standard <laughs> From time to time Hasn't it Well he's Simon Graysive On Graysive <clears throat> Simon Grayson On getting that Elusive first home win Well ultimately It's going to happen Without a shadow of doubt And um, people who Have been waiting around For it Well let's hopeful That uh, Saturday's a, The start of some Good home form Like Maybe like a bus, the first one comes along and then choosing out the second one as well very quickly. So, look, we will do it. We'll, hopefully the players will get the breaks, they keep working hard, show the quality that we've got. I feel now we've got the strength in depth as well to change things, have different systems to play whenever I need to do um, and, and get sort of stadium light rocking with the supporters back, back in the team. They're now... I do feel that the supporters will see that there's a group that are fully committed to, from now till January to, to do whatever is required to win the games and we all have to stick together through good times, bad times. We're not going to win every game from now till January um, at home but we, we've obviously we've got to try and do our best to try and win as many as possible. A couple of things that I took from that when I was, um, when I was chopping that audio up earlier. Firstly, he keeps referencing January. Is it implying that he's, he's going to bring loads of players in or something in January or they're going to just stop trying in January? Huh. I thought it was interesting. Secondly... Oh, people are going to leave in January. Secondly, until he said that, I didn't realise we were playing on Tuesday. Yeah, no, forget, you forget, like in the Premier League, you have three games every month, and in, in the Championship, you get good value for money, like don't you? If you've got a season ticket, it's, uh, there's games all the time. It's quite good, like going to work and knowing you, you know, you, you you've got that game on the night to look forward to. And remember, like in the Premier League, when they used to like opening week, you'd have the you'd have a midweek game, wouldn't you? The start of the season, you'd have the the one. So Tuesday, Wednesday night, so even if you're away from home that first game of the season, got a bad result or whatever, you knew you had that game on the on the Tuesday night, but yeah, it's uh be looking forward that'll be a tough game as well. Well, one game at a time, yeah. but uh we we I know they've started well for us, haven't they, as well. Um Simon Grayson, you can see he's he's tactic there, Graham. He's 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 trying to almost just uh, you know brush it off that we haven't won at home. This is a new team, you know. It doesn't matter. We will win at home eventually because we we will. So he's trying to take that <laughs> approach. Do you think that? Do you think the players yeah. is it going to be in the players' mind? Because there are a lot of new players who weren't around last season. So yeah. you, you would like to think it's not hanging over them. 
I think players need to stand up and be counted, both the ones who've come in and the ones who were here last season. I think that um, I realise I might have come across as a bit negative, and I, but I, I took my job to act as a cheerleader for the team. And I no longer think, to a certain extent, it's the, it's the, it's the job of the fans almost act as a cheerleader team. I think the players have got to give something back. I've interviewed two Sunderland greats or two Sunderland star players in the last couple of uh, decades, in the last few weeks, Kevin Ball and Stefan Schwartz. And they've both said like, a, t- a tackle can be as good as a goal for Sunderland fans in terms of getting some fans behind them. So I just sort of think that it's up to the team now to realise they've given the fans nothing to cheer about for so long. It's up to them not to sort of call on the fans to get behind them or support them or back them or whatever, but to go out there and say, right, we're going to give Sunderland fans something to cheer. So all I'm saying is I've seen not a great deal positive in the last few months, and I think it's up to the players themselves and the manager to provide that positivity rather than the pundits or the, the fans. I think, that in a way, the Celtic game's probably the... The best thing that's happened to them in a way because it it set the bar so low. So <laughs> you know, like everyone was happy with that draw against Derby because it was like, what on earth is going to happen in, in that game? And, <laughs> and then Derby scored quite early, and, then, yeah, and, 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 and it didn't collapse. Mind you, I was at the Celtic game. It didn't feel like the best thing <laughs> no, in the world no, at the no, time. No, <laughs> no it never. Well, it never does, does it? When you get pumped like that. But um, no, the, I think generally it. it I think it's given them a little bit of a, an advantage in that the people have sort of seen it's been a lot better since then and um, people have been a little bit less harsh maybe even though we've had a two poor results I think people were a bit more reflected after the Leeds game than they were after the Barnsley game um, but you know they, they need to start winning some games soon and two and about two on the bounce if they can get them going somehow there's no reason why we you know the, the situation's still the same. The, the, the weaknesses in the squad are still there. The strengths are still there, and they've just got to hope that they can, you know, do enough, <laughs> do enough uh, in the strengths column to, to to win win a couple of games rather than making silly mistakes and not not recovering. Just purely from a like supporter's perspective, I just want after a home game to not trudge across the way in Bridge again and have to try and salvage my Saturday night. I just want to go in and just kind of just, just like one of life's simple things, just have like a pint norm of won the game and like just to, just to taste a little bit better, you know what I mean? Um, but yeah, like Gareth said, there's no reason why we can't go into these two games with a bit of optimism and hopefully get some points on the board. I think it might sound a little bit ambitious, but you you really do need like kind of four points for these next two games to I think get people back on side and just to get a bit of momentum going because. I think, as I say, the move of fan base it is very flexible at the minute because we're so desperate to get behind them and to and to kind of um, feel positive about the football club again after last season. But then, when you go to Barnsley and you get beat three 0 like I've said before, in the Championship, there is a little bit of an indignity about losing games. And I think at the moment our fan base are at a bit of a stage where, when we're in the Championship, we almost have this just expectation that we're going to be at the top of the league because, like, I was born in '95. And in my lifetime, Sunderland have not finished lower than third in the championship. So you get kind of my generation of support who they kind of they, they've never known this before for Sunderland to kind of languish in mid-table. So we kind of need something to get behind in the next few weeks because, as I've said before, though, I really like Simon Grayson. I think he's said a lot of positive things. I think he's done well in the transfer market. I think he's had a plan. It hasn't necessarily been the most imaginative, but he's brought in a core of players who have a point to prove and who are possibly going to fight for the shirt and give us what we've been lacking. But Simon Grayson, at the end of the day, he's got a reputation as being kind of like a solid mid-table championship manager and he doesn't have that cult of personality that Roy Keane had, so he's not going to get many free hits. So I just hope for his sake 
and for the sake of the club, we can start getting some wins on the board. Just as I say, just to give everyone a bit of a lift and just to take a bit of pressure off his shoulders. Team selection is going to be interesting. Yeah. I was just going to say on that point as well. You, you know, there's that. The worry is like, could it? Obviously, could it be more like the Mick McCarthy kind of time where, in this league anyway, not in the Premier League, but that sort of situation where we kind of hack our way into the Premier League or hack our way to promotion, or it could easily go the other way where, towards the sort of butcher yeah. Buxton sort of era, which is like that. It's kind of it feels like we're at that crossroads where if we yeah. don't get a few wins, people will start to a certain generation of people start thinking this is just like it was when we were playing. You know, Southend and Grimsby and Notts County and not winning what, games. What you're saying about the, the crossroads is exactly bang on because we had James Shield on earlier and he called it, he suggested it might be a draw. And people usually call it a draw when they can't decide either way. And that's where we're at this moment in time. We don't know either way you take one game at a time, but these two games together will be fascinating because those first three games, five points out of nine and unbeaten, it looked great. The next segment, as it were, five points from 15th and 19th in the table doesn't look so great. So these two games uh, are going to be fascinating. Two home games, two teams you could you could definitely think that something could beat uh, with new signings in there, home advantage. But after these two games, we're going to have, next time you have this show after those two games, you'll have a much, much, much clearer picture of where it's under heading. Let's hope uh, previous previous form doesn't uh, repeat itself on that. <laughs> Team selection is going to be interesting, though, isn't it? Because he can get, win a Barnsley, being pumped, three new signings, all capable of, of walking into a, a championship starting you know, 11 you would have thought I, I think the, the real interesting one in the team is going to be uh, sounds McGeady's 50-50 with a hamstring do you risk it mm, I, I probably would, I probably wouldn't with the game on Tuesday I'd just kind of get him right for then but then you well, go on McManaman then you go into, exactly yeah. you go into McManaman right where he's out off you go you know you've got a, you've got a great opportunity here and then all of a sudden if he has a good game McGeady's going blimey like how am I going to get back in? I think Grayson made a good point as well, where he says we've got like different options now tactically, whereas before I think we were playing four four two out of um, sheer like necessity. I don't think that's Grayson's preferred style. Um, and when you look at his the previous clubs, at Preston, he said himself, and when you read about it a bit, he does he is quite flexible in terms of he picks his side based on like kind of what he thinks the opposition strengths and weaknesses are. So I'm just pleased we have that option now, whether. It's like having the one player maker in McGeady or McManaman when they're both fit or whether you put them both in. When what more comes back to you playing through the middle off a front man? As I say, now suddenly we're having kind of good worries, if that makes sense, rather than like looking at the squad thinking, like, Christ, how are we going to be able to put a team out, out of this? You're now looking at it and you've got different options like on the pitch. I mean, we're still a bit short up front, but there is now options all over, yeah. which is I encouraging. Mean, how he uses Williams is going to be interesting as well because you would think, and what the most appealing idea is to play and Don Katz and Williams, Williams as front, a midfield yeah. three with Williams sort of playing as the most advanced yeah, yeah. what that would allow you to do is flank Graben up front you, you would imagine to flank him with well ideally you would say McGeady McManaman yeah. Watmore's coming back yeah. that might not be the case because you've just mentioned McGeady there so that, in there as well, well it, so it, what I'm thinking is he could just go for the four four two again because it could just be a straight swap for McManaman and McGeady the weekend. It's going to be interesting to see what he does. I, I think I would like to think that he would have enough to move it around now and do something different. James Vaughan coming off um, when he did against Barnsley was an, an, a substitution that, to me, felt as though he was going well. You've had you've had quite a few chances, haven't you, since you've come here, even in pre-season, and you've had you've played every game. You haven't scored a goal. Um, we haven't scored. We've only scored. Well, I was actually trying to 
work out when the last time we'd scored from Auburn play at home. Was it uh, was was it Defoe against Stoke the last time we scored? From, no, no, it was Barini against West Ham. Yeah. I think that was the last time we scored from Auburn play at home. There's probably it's probably Defoe's goal against Stoke and Barini's against West Ham. That's probably it this year. Yep, it probably is. So because grabbing was That's a penalty, right. mm-hmm. so you know they, they've got to look at that and go how we're gonna how we're gonna score goals at home because when we're on top we're not taking the chances when they come. So um, you, does he just keep going with the four four two? It's a numbers game because you've got two up front. The chances will come. You'll have one more person to take the chance. I think runners are really important in the championship because people people fall asleep. People don't watch people going beyond. And if you've got someone like Williams, who's a busy player, he might start going beyond grabbing. Whereas I don't think like Vaughan kind of wants to drop deep and flick it. And like that's not. I don't think that's what we need. I think we need get the ball into grabbing's feet, who holds it really well, and get runners going beyond them from the wide areas. People like Williams, and you've still got that support in the middle with within Dong and Catamore. And I think that's where we might start getting a bit of joy. We don't move. That's been a one observation I would say. We don't move teams around enough. On the well, pitch. Also, Sunderland don't move around enough either. Yeah. And when you've got when you've got one leader in the side, who's obvious is Catamore, who's always there to receive the ball. It, how bad the position, you'll always try and receive the ball. And that's one of the strengths of good Sunderland teams in the past, the amount of people who are always making themselves available. And I've noticed that teams that lack confidence don't do that. It happened a lot last season where you'd see players just hiding a bit, not quite making themselves available. Um, but one of the drawbacks for Catamore is... Uh, is when he receives the ball, he needs options. He gets frustrated if he doesn't get them. Someone like Watmore is always going to give him options. Williams, you mentioned with a pace, that's going to really help because those players will just say, "Put the ball in front of us, and I'll run to it." Um, and they haven't had that in the start of the season. It's going to be interesting to see how that pace opens things up. And he might be tempted to go with a five for that reason because he'll have he'll have pace in the side. They just need to move the ball. Just try and move the ball quicker. Try and move the ball quicker and move move teams around. We, we can't pass it. We've seen this season. We put some nice moves together. Just need to move it a bit quicker. I think Vaughan, in a way, has been a little bit of a like it breaks down when it gets to him, and because and, he's not, he's shown some nice touches, but he's not consistently. He's not a, a, a nice player. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's a bit. It's all a bit bumbled and a bit. Where is he this year's Josie, isn't he? I mean, sort of like you get a feeling about a player sometimes. I watched him in that Celtic game, and I thought. Never gonna, you're never gonna score. You're never mm. gonna, and it's one of just a feeling about players. And it gets in their own mind, got into Josie's mind, and mm. uh, Andy Gray before that. Hopefully, it does. Like, we, we've, made the point, we've made the point before that he's not Premier League defenders. So he you, needs you to score. Think, he needs to score ten this season at least, mm. in my opinion. We'll carry this conversation on tomorrow at the Peacock. Tomorrow, tomorrow, it's tomorrow. It's Friday. Saturday. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, tomorrow we're gonna we're gonna do it tomorrow. No, go on. Do you <laughs> want to tell you, you, you do this stuff better than me. Yeah, so this this week at the Peacock, um, we've got David Corner joining us on the stage around what time? About one-ish. We, we want to be starting at one prompt. One-ish, so yeah, get in there. From, it'll be open. There's, we're going to be showing, um, I don't have to decide what it's going to be yet. Maybe we should start doing Twitter polls on what people would like to watch. That'd be quite good, wouldn't it? Yeah. So I've been in the garage and I've dug out um, the VHS player and I've got some videos in there. I've got the 1989-90 promotion season video. Is there? My dad. I'm trying to get him to get the third division promotion video. He's got that stuck away somewhere. Um, there's, there's, but there's a, there's a load of videos and DVDs. So before each game, every week now they've got a projector there. So we're going to get that on the go. So there'll be you'll be able to watch retro Sunderland action um, of your retro and of your. Does that work together as a thing? Mm-hmm. But anyway, David Corner joining us on the stage to to speak about Sunderland at the moment. 
and obviously in the past then you'll be able to ask them questions as well about any Sunderland issues you've got or ask them questions I'm sure everyone will have one particular question for him so <laughs> we'll probably have to filter depends, that one depends out depends on the generation yeah. but before a lot of people. it was before time. my time exactly. but everyone's heard about it everyone knows it yeah, right well thanks for listening and we we'll hope to see you there on Saturday I know a lot of you did turn up uh, at the last home game and it was appreciated so we'll see you there have a drink Wise Men Say Sun FM Preview Show with Stephen Goldsmith and Gareth Barker All Things Sunderland Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.